Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. My name's Chris. As Pastor Matt said, I'm a pastor on staff, and I'm excited to bring God's word to you guys today. And I got a question for everybody, okay? Um, some things, you know, we just naturally know in life, right? But there's other things that we need to be taught. Would you agree? And there's some other things that we don't have to be taught. We just kind of figure out, okay? Let me give you an example. Um, some of you guys know my beautiful daughter, Stella. Steph, you can put her on the screen. She is a old two and a half years old, okay? And man, and now I know I'm a little biased. I just think she's so stinking cute and beautiful and all. Oh, hello. Watch out. There's water there. Um, that's, don't worry. I'm, I'm going to use that later. So I'm a little biased, and so, I mean, and she's all those things. But you know what? There's words that I never taught her. At least I don't think that I did. And she's saying all the time. One of them is a four-letter word, and it's not what you think, okay? It is mine. Mine. I'm like, I didn't teach you that, my baby. You teach, you teach her that? I didn't teach her that. I'm like, who taught her that, right? And so it's the craziest thing. Like, one of the first things we do, I'll grab her in the morning and put her on our bed, you know, it's kind of hanging out. And then she'll look at me, and she's like, Daddy, mine. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> right? And I'm trying to sit down. She's throwing a fit. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I introduced her to this thing called a donut not too um, long ago. And, of course, you know, me, me trying to be a healthy parent, trying to give her a vegan donut from Whole Foods. Don't judge me. It's good. It's real good. Depending on which one you get. I got some recommendations for you. So I gave her a donut right? kind of split it in half, trying to be a good dad. Here you go, babe. I'll take mine. And then she ate hers and she took the mine. Mine. And I'm like, no. <laughs> That's daddy's. I love you, but I love donuts too. So I don't know if I can choose right now. And so it's crazy, though, because I think not just her but all of us, Known how to teach us mine. They didn't, right? It just kind of naturally kind of happened that way. And we're going to go back to that, why that is. Maybe, may, hopefully I'm not the only person. I'm going to feel really bad about myself. I'm the only one. But have you ever bought a gift for somebody else? But you thought, man, that's a great gift. <laughs> I think you guys know where I'm going. This is so good. And, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't tell them that I was going to get them that gift. I mean, it's their birthday, so I'm going to get them something. You know, I didn't use that gift that my friend got me last year. I got an idea. I'm going to take that gift. And so go ahead, Steph. You can put that um, picture on the screen. There you go. That's mine, right? Maybe you've been in that situation before. Maybe you've been in a situation where you're at a party or you're hanging out with people. Maybe there's some pizza there. Everyone's had their feel, but there's that one slice left. And everyone's trying to be really nice. Hey, how was your night? Was the pizza good? Right, we're really saying this. Can I have that piece? Now, here's one of the main fundamental differences between Lauren and my, myself, my wife, is that she's very, um, she's compassionate in the sense of like, hey, do you want that piece? Uh, can you have that? If someone asks me, hey, do you want that piece? I'm like, great, <laughs> that's mine. There's nothing in me that says like, hey, no, you can have that. Hey, if you give me that option, it's mine. I'm taking that. So I don't know about you, where you fall in there, but I think we've all been in those situations where it's like, man, like, we're in those situations. What do I do? And man, like, why, why do we act that way? Now, those are some funny examples, but I think it's a really good way of looking at our culture where you would have to be outside of this world to not realize that we live in a it's-about-me 
culture. And it's not just encouraged, but it's often celebrated. Man, you got to get it for yourself because if you don't get life for yourself, no one's going to get it for you. You got to look for your own promotion. You got to look for your own fulfillment. You've got to look for your own security because, man, if you don't get it for yourself, you are, no one's going to give it to you. Now, what I'm not saying is that you don't take care of yourself. Man, one of the things that we say I found in a lot is, man, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. And so, man, God's called us to be healthy. And even Jesus said that you want to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're going to have a hard time loving somebody else. And so what I'm not saying is not practicing a Sabbath and taking care of yourself. Some of us, the reason why we're so pent up and frustrated is because we're not taking care of ourselves. So I'm not saying don't do that. But there is this side of our culture where it's like, man, it's about you. Let me do me, you do you. And man, we would be reminisced not to say that that attitude hasn't even affected churches as a whole and even ourselves. I'll give you an example. When, when you look at friendships, right, and it's like things are going really well, things are solid, but then that one friend does something that you just don't like. You know, I'm going to start my own friends group. <laughs> you know, like you did that one thing I didn't like and I'm just out. And God's like, no, people aren't dispensable. You can't just get rid of somebody because they rub you the wrong way. Because that's making it about you. You. And the Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 4, where Peter tells us as a body, speak the truth in love. So a lot of times when we think that someone else is being selfish when they offend us, when we leave and don't give them a chance to make it right, we're more selfish than them. Ooh, I didn't get a lot of amens on that one. Woo! Come on, stick the truth in love, church. So sometimes it's our friendships that can really, man, mess us up. Sometimes it's even in our romantic relationships. Why won't they do what I say? <laughs> Why won't they just do what I want to do? But a lot of times we haven't expressed our needs that we want, as Pastor Matt has mentioned. Sometimes we could even have, and it's, a, a, it's about me culture, with our church, if we're not careful. Someone please feed me. Feed me. I'm so hungry, right? And man, if you come here to be fed, I'm going to celebrate that because, man, God is speaking and moving. But how many of you know that when God puts something inside of you, he wants you to use it to give it to somebody else? Everything that's been deposited, God's never going to demand something from you that he hasn't already deposited. And so when God puts a word inside of you, man, he wants you to take it and use it. But sometimes if we're not careful, we can have that me attitude even when it comes to our relationship with church. And God's called us to be his extension, his body. There is no plan B. We are his plan A. He doesn't need to use us, but he, he wants to use us. We get to be used by God. And here's where it gets even kind of stickier and crazier. If we're really being honest with ourselves, sometimes we can even have a it's about me attitude with God himself. Man, I'm, we're not going to raise our hands. I'm going to raise my hand for all of us in this room. But sometimes it's like, God, if you make this happen, this happen, and this happen, we're solid. We're, you and I, man, just, just, just do these three things. We're, we're good. But when one of those things don't work out, where's God? I thought he loved me. I thought he was for me. 
And so what tends to happen is, man, we have a contractual relationship with God. Where it's like, man, here are these three things. You're going to sign this, God? I'm going to sign my name. All right, we're good. We're solid. God's like, no. I'm not about contracts. I'm about covenant. I'm about covenant, not contract. And so what God wants us to see is that, man, we could even have that me attitude with God himself. I was thinking about this last night, and I thought, I never thought about this before, where we could even have a selfish attitude with ourselves. What does that mean? It means that there's things that we need to do that, gosh, man, we know if we do that, if we're obedient, we're going to grow. We're going to be stretched. God's going to do a new work inside of us. But instead of choosing that growth, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pay attention to my own comfort. I'm going to pay attention to my own security. And then what we're doing is we're being selfish to our own growth, our own development, because we're, we're looking out for ourselves. Selfishness is an ugly thing. And here's, here's the good news. Don't worry, it gets better and more encouraging, okay? i got to tell you the problem, and then God's going to give you the solution, okay? Don't worry. Is that the good news is, is that, man, we all struggle with this. You're not alone. Because selfishness is not just something that we do, but it's a condition of our hearts. And so as Pastor Matt preached last week, God isn't concerned with changing your behavior, He's going to change your behavior, but it's not going to start there. It's going to start with him touching your heart. Because how many of you have been in those situations where you're trying not to be selfish with your actions, but in your heart you're like, gosh, I really want that. Like what is wrong with me? You can't change that with your own behavior, and you can't change that with your own strength. Only God can do that through his son Jesus. And so if you're taking notes, jot this down. Selfishness promises fulfillment but only delivers emptiness. And it's so crazy because in the moment it's like, this is worth it. I'm going to get this. This is mine. But then isn't that a horrible feeling (laughs) where you get it and it's like, that's it? I thought that relationship was going to solve me. I thought that person, when they did this for me, I was going to be good. I thought when I got that thing I've been coveting for years that I couldn't even afford, that I didn't even really like, that I only wanted because people thought it was awesome. It didn't do anything. If anything, it's made me more miserable because now it's like, what do I do? I got that thing. Now what do I do? Selfishness promises fulfillment, contentment. But it gives you just more emptiness. It gives you more discouragement, more disappointment. Selfishness is not the answer. Jesus says something very, um, for us, can sound really cliche and even kind of warm and cute. But it's probably because we don't really believe it. And he said this one phrase where he says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now that looks really good in a coffee cup. That looks really good in a Christmas gift that, you know, you may give to somebody else. But to practice that, my goodness, that is so much harder. But here's, here's the reality, which is I really want to zero us in on today, is that it's impossible to know Jesus intimately, and it's impossible to know the gospel without knowing the heart of giving. Check this out. John three sixteen. For God gave his one and only son. He gave. I mean, that just goes everything against what we're taught 
and what we tend to believe about what it means to be satisfied. And even Romans tells us that God, he didn't even withhold his own son for us. Think about that. God could have gave us anything, but he gave us his very best, which is himself. And so if we're really going to understand how to do relationships, we got to understand first our relationship with God. Because if we can understand the beauty, the, the glory of what it means like to know God's heart for giving, and I don't just mean money, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. There's so much more than just that. But just the art of giving your life over to somebody else, there's a blessing that comes from that. And it's so much more fulfilling than trying to take your life on, on your own. You guys with me so far? All right, so we're going to be diving in um, to Mark chapter 10. Open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. And I believe we're going to be in verse 13. And let me, let me set some context here. The disciples have been walking with Jesus for about a couple years now. And, man, Jesus is pretty popular. Um, he's doing some crazy stuff. He's walking on water. He's healing people. He's breaking bread and making, like, thousands of lo loaves of bread. He's doing some crazy stuff, right? And so he's gaining a following. People want to know what's happening. So Jesus has chosen these 12 disciples and others who are following him. Um, for them to watch his life and to replicate that. And so you would think, right, that when you see these miracles, when you see these awesome things that God's doing, man, it would humble yourself, right? It would actually cause you to want to be more like him. Not in this situation, so check this out. So James and John, they grab Jesus, pulls him aside, and this is what they say to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Can we just stop there and just ponder that for a second? <laughs> Jesus, who is a miracle worker, who has shown so much compassion and love and doing all these amazing things, Jesus, you're going to do whatever we ask, right? Is that what you're going to do? Maybe they saw him as a genie. I don't know. Like, rub the ball a little bit. But Jesus goes with it. And what surprises me about this is he doesn't even rebuke them. He just says, hey, what do you want me to do for you? And this is what they say. They replied, let us one sit at your right and let us others sit on the left in your glory. So what James and John is saying, Jesus, I know that one day you're going to send to the Father. You're going to sit on the glorious throne that no one can even touch. But guess what? That two, that three, can we sit there? Can we have that honor? Can we be like the best of the best, the most awesome people? And it's like, what in the world? That is just crazy. And I was, I was reading that passage, and, like, I, I want to think to myself, if I was in that moment, I'd be kind of horrified, like, are you serious? But I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, <laughs> they got some boldness to ask that. And here's kind of what I surmise from that, is that when they saw those miracles that were happening, God working and doing all these things, it wasn't that they were saying, man, He's going to be the source of everything that I need. No, what they were thinking was, he's going to be my means to my own fulfillment. And so instead of saying, gosh, when Jesus broke the bread and he fed 5,000 people, instead of saying, man, like, you're the bread of life, they're thinking, man, I'm going to use you so I can get any bread that I want. And, and that is the danger of selfishness. Selfishness is actually not just your bad our bad behavior, but it's a condition of our heart. 
It's the condition of our hearts. And check, the, check out how ugly selfishness is. Let's go to James chapter 3. James actually writes about this. If you keep going, Steph. A couple more, a couple more. Almost there. There you go. James, James is a heavy hitter, so watch out, okay? But if you hide, typo, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You could just leave right there. That's enough. What James is saying is that selfish ambition is not just your behavior. We're trying to take things. But it's something hidden in our hearts. That if we're not careful, it has the potential to influence every area of our lives. This word selfishness um, in this passage is very interesting. It can mean a couple things. One of them is this. Is that it's someone who's hired for a particular job. Where it's almost like they're, they're a mercenary. Where they have no ties, they have no care, no connection to what's happening. They're only there to do a job and to get paid. Another, another interpretation for that word is a politician. <laughs> I'm not making any po- political comments, so don't like, look at me right now, okay? But this, uh, this word means also it's a poli- poli- political figure scheming for the office. So it's like what they're saying is it's someone who's going from town to town, town to town, saying all the right things. I'm promising you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But really, it's all about me getting to that spot. And last but not least, what this word can mean is that it's their goal for personal satisfaction at whatever cost it takes. It's an ugly word. It's an ugly word. And here's what happens. When we don't deal with selfish ambition in our hearts, we start to boast about it. We start talking about it. It comes out in subtle ways where when you're in a conversation, it just naturally just kind of glides over to you. Somehow just, you ever had that conversation with people where it's like, wait, how did that, how did that come back to you, right? Like I didn't know that a black hole existed like on the earth, right? And so there's that. But also we can deny the truth. We're selfish is what it can do when we boast and we're just jealous. We start denying the things that we know that are true because we're trying to make what we think is reality the truth. It's an ugly, ugly thing. Now, I know none of us in this room struggle with that, so I'm going to talk to myself about that. Um, man, I know that firsthand in a lot of ways. Um, I was telling Pastor Matt for this message, man, I'm glad you gave me this topic because I have a lot of examples from my life that I can use. Um, one of them I want to highlight is um, when Lauren and I started dating, man, it was great. It was amazing. But, man, if we're to be honest, like, man, it was rough, like, for a, a good chunk of the time. And here was the main reason. We just didn't realize that, man, our insecurities were just rubbing up against one another. But we just didn't know that. We thought, man, you just don't listen. Man, you just don't care. Man, Chris, you just want to fix everything. I can fix everything. Let me fix it, right? And so, but what we didn't realize is that what I was trying to find in her, I wasn't trying to find in God. And what she was trying to find in me, sorry, what she was, yeah, what she was trying to find in me, she wasn't necessarily looking for in Jesus. 
So I thought I was struggling with, gosh, like, where's my security? Where's my strength? How come, how come she doesn't see me a certain way? It's because I didn't realize that I already, I already had that in Jesus. I didn't realize that. So, so often, the reason why there's, see, a lot of times we think that we need to get selfish ambition out of our hearts. That's probably true, but there's another angle looking at it. The reason why there's such a fill and a need to kill and still and destroy and try to get it for yourself is because God's love for you isn't already there. God's security isn't already there. And so it's not just trying to get these things out of you, which is true, but the best way to get something out is to put something better in there. Put something better in there. And so that's what we're talking about is selfish ambition. And Steph, you can go to verse 16. For wherever there's envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. What's, what we think is this really bad behavior underneath that is discord and uh, and selfish ambition that we need to deal with with the Lord. That's something that your partner, your friend, your church, or whoever can't solve for you, but only you and Jesus have to work out together. And here's the good news. When you surrender, when you submit yourself to Jesus, man, things start happening. I'll give you an example. Here's one. Is that when you start surrendering and when you stop living for yourself, man, there is just a sense of gratefulness that starts to happen. A gratefulness. Man, it's not like, gosh, I'm just having a bad day and it's like I'm, everything's so hard. But it's like, and I've caught myself where I've come home and it's just like, gosh, this is happening. This, I'm stressed out about this. It's like, man, you got to be a hope dealer and not a complaint dealer, all right? You, man, draw that out. And so when you are allowing God to be your source, you're going to complain a lot less and you're going to be so much more grateful. Another thing when you know that you, when you're surrendering yourself is that you become a lot more sacrificial and not entitled. Man, you cleaned the house six days this week, but you missed Sunday. You missed that one day. No, no, no. You start saying to yourself, man, babe, thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing that. Man, I'm just so grateful that, that, that you would do that. Even in friendships is that you're going to start looking at how you can bless and how you can encourage and not where you can be entitled to for yourself. And last but not least, man, when you start living that way, you start becoming more of a contributor and not a consumer. That you start giving and giving and giving. It's like, gosh, like you're able to give out because God's always pouring inside of you. So let's go back to that story because they just asked one of the craziest things. Can I be at your glorious thrones, Jesus? Here's Jesus' response. Jesus called them together, and he said this. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Keep going. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And who wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You know what's crazy about that? Is that if I'm Jesus, thank God I'm not. I'm sure you guys are glad that I'm not Jesus either. Is if I'm Jesus and they're saying, man, I want to be at the top of the top, best of the best. I'd be like, guys, what are you thinking? Have you learned anything? 
Like, like, has it not penetrated your heart? Jesus didn't deny, he didn't reject those feelings, those desires of wanting to do something significant. But what he did say was the way that you were doing it was the wrong way. If you want to be great, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be satisfied, it's not going to come from you trying to get your own position, your power, for how you're seen by people. If you want to be great, then you're going to come underneath people. You're going to serve them. You're going to wash their feet. You're going to bless them. You're going to encourage them. You're going to go over and beyond what they would even think that you would even want to do for them. And not because you're trying to impress them, because even the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. If you want to solve your selfishness, check this out. Servanthood is the antidote to our selfishness. Servanthood. When we serve people from a place of fullness, there is such a glory. There's such an excitement that comes from that. And I mean, I just get joy watching our dream team every single Sunday. When they step in and they just make it happen. Man, I want to give a shout out actually today because our teams, they're flexible, they're teachable, and they're extremely grateful, right? Man, our team was like, hey, Pastor Chris, I know you're going to teach right now, but those tents, they're going to fall over. And that's called a lawsuit. And that would really suck, right? Like we're trying to double our space right now. So check this out. We're going to take those down. We're going to readjust. We're going to put it under there. We got this. And I'm not just happy because I'm not, I'm not thinking about it anymore, but I'm happy because they're walking in their purpose. They're creating spaces for people to encounter God and to move closer to them. One person on our dream team actually a couple months ago, they shared with their team, like, you know, to be honest, man, because dream, dream teamers, they love Jesus, but none of us are superheroes. We all have real days, real struggles too. So they're coming to Sunday and they're, man, like, I'm just not feeling it today. I had a hard week. I didn't sleep that good, and I just, I'm struggling today. I don't know if I really want to be here, but I know I'm supposed to be here, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing. So they go outside, and they're serving, and they saw a family that had never been here before ever. So they go, they bless them, they encourage them, they just give them a the great experience. They go back to their team, and they said, if I didn't come today, I would have missed out on what, on what God could have done. And you know what's even better? I feel great now. I just, need, I just needed to get the attention off myself. Servanthood is the antidote to selfishness. That when we, are, when we serve from a place like Jesus serves us, we're going to start to get it. But there's still a problem. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, I already had talked about all these problems already. There's another one. But don't worry, God has a solution, and I have a text for that. Is that, man, even when we serve people outwardly, there's still something that God needs to do something out of inside of us. So we serve with the right motive. We serve from the right place. You ever try to give something just to get something? Woo, man, man, let's be honest here, right? Man, I'm gonna bless you, but man, like, when are you gonna when are you gonna bless me? It's like, you know that time like you had that free Starbucks like three and a half months ago? I mean, something would have been nice, right? No. God want, God can deal with that. And he doesn't just want to deal with it. He wants to change it. He wants to transform it. And I can't think of a better servant than Jesus. So check this out. We're going to be in John chapter 13. I'm going to land this in John 13. I'm excited for this. I feel like God was showing me some things I've never, never seen before in this. But let me give you some context. This is Jesus' last night 
on earth before the officials take him, before Judas portrays him, before he's crucified for all of our sins. And I don't know about you, but if it's my last night to live and I know I'm going to go through it in the most horrific way, I'm going to be thinking about myself. <laughs> man, I'm going to be thinking of like an exit plan. I'm going to think like, man, man, how do I do this, right? But Jesus, he doesn't do that. His attention is on everybody else except, no, let me, let me rephrase that. His sole focus was on what his father was doing, which allowed him to focus on the people he got, God entrusted for him to serve. And so he's in this powerful moment where he's with his disciples. They're about to take communion for the last time, at least that time on earth. And the scripture says in John chapter 13, verse 1, that Jesus loved his disciples and he loved them to the very end. And then it goes on to say this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Remember that. We're, we're going to come back to that. Keep going. So he got it from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. And he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, we got it. Some of us have heard this. Some of us were like, what's the big deal about this? Right? I've never heard this before. If we understand the context of the story, it's going to, it should just humble us so much. Because back then, I mean, believe it or not, they didn't have, they didn't have like nice shoes back then. So they're walking everywhere. There's no cars, right? So your feet get dirty and stinky and gross. And so if you were to wash someone's feet, you had to be a slave. You would never think that a common person in society, let alone a respected rabbi, would ever, ever wash someone's feet. And so these water bases were at every single house, right? And so get this picture. Everybody walks in, all 12 disciples, Jesus is walking in, and no one goes to the basin to wash anyone's feet. There's still that idea, positioning. Who's going to do it first? Who's going to be the best, right? And so could you imagine Jesus, who is the rabbi, the most respected, powerful, most wise person in there, he gets up. Guys, I'm going to go wash your feet right now. And Jesus, and he's fully, fully human, but he's also fully God. So he knows his disciples are going to desert him once the officials comes. He knows that Judas, who he's entrusted the funds, the money, that he's going to kiss them on the cheek and say, that's it, Jesus, I betray you. He knows all this, but yet he goes and washes his feet. Have you ever had your feet washed before? It's a little uncomfortable. It's a little awkward, right? It's just it's like, I remember Lauren, Lauren and I did a college ministry years ago. We were doing a message like this, and she had to surprise me, and she actually washed my feet. Um, and the part I was kind of nervous about, <laughs> she, she, she came to wash my feet, right? My socks were still on because I didn't think someone was going to wash my feet, so obviously I had my socks and shoes on, right? So as she felt like, it felt like five minutes. It was only like probably like a minute or five hours, I mean. But she's taking off my shoes. I'm like, when's the last time I cut my nails, right? I'm thinking like, I'm almost like, babe, you can't do this. Like, this is going to be really bad, right? And so everyone's like, 
wow, she's so humble. She's so awesome. I'm thinking like, I'm going to die. You're gonna, people are going to judge me so much, right? So she takes off my stuff. I'm like, oh, praise God. They're decent. They're not perfect, but they're decent. And she's washing my feet. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, I don't deserve this. Like, my, my, and all these thoughts are coming to my head. Like, I'm not perfect. I could be a better husband. Like, I should be washing your feet. I can't imagine if the Son of God is getting down at our feet. I know this is kind of awkward. Can I take your foot, my friend? <laughs> He's looking at, at ourselves and saying, I want to wash your feet. And could you imagine the thoughts, the emotions? Because you, you're thinking to yourself, Jesus, I should be washing your feet. I should be washing my friend's feet. And not only that, not, probably it's not just only awkward, but all the things in their hearts are coming out. God, my selfishness, my pride, all the things that you know that are inside of me, and you're washing my feet? That is a life-changing moment. And you know what starts to happen? This is the gospel. Is that as Jesus is washing their feet, they're feeling the weight of their own sin, but they're also feeling the powerfulness of his grace. And so as they're experiencing their sin, God is washing over their sins at the same time. He's washing away their selfish ambition. They're washing away all the things that are inside of them because God is now their source. Can we go back to that last verse? The reason why the greatest of all time, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, some would say GOAT. You know what, you know what GOAT stands for? Greatest of all time. Some would say Michael George is the greatest of all time. Some would say LeBron James is the greatest of all time. But of all eternity, no one stands greater than Jesus Christ. Same yesterday, today, and forever. So how did the King of kings and Lord of lords humble himself? Go back to that last verse, Steph, please. Is that Jesus knew that all the things were put under him. And that he was returning back to God. He came from God. What does that mean? It means that I can take, a, the, I can take the position, sorry, the, the posture of a servant because I know I'm a son of the most high. I know that I can be impoverished and give my whole life away because I have riches in heaven this world does not know about. I've come from the Father. I'm, come, I'm returning back to him. Everything that he's given me, it's all mine. So I can come from a place of wholeness. So what does that do for us? As he's washing away our stuff, you know what tends to happen? Is this. See, a lot of times we're like this vase. And these ping pong balls represent our selfishness. It's me. It's me. I have to get my own. And so what tends to happen is that we just fill ourselves with ourself because we just don't know what to do. So we want to give ourselves away, but we can't because there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to give. It's all about ourselves. But here's what starts to happen. As we allow Jesus to wash our feet, we have the desire to wash other people's feet. And I don't just mean physically. That's cool if you want to do that. You're probably going to have to give them a lesson so they know what's happening first. 
Don't do it without telling them. You might, it might be kind of funny. But washing their feet spiritually and emotionally. What, just like what Carissa did for Marina, pursuing her. Hey, how's your life? What's going on? What's your faith life like? And before she even asked those questions, there was such a trust in the bond because she knew that Carissa just loved her. And so every time, every time Carissa asked her and invited her, God was pouring a little bit inside of her. And how many of you know that just because we do one act of obedience, one act of sacrifice, it may not look like anything's happening or anything's shifted, but God's doing something inside of you. You just can't always see it. You can't always feel it. For some of us, we're like, gosh, like, I really want to serve. I really want to get in the dream team, but I feel so unqualified. Maybe you heard Shauna's story last week. She's like, I didn't feel ready. I didn't feel unqualified. I didn't feel qualified. But then she started serving. And then God started pouring more in her life. And, the, and, the, and, those, and those, those selfishness inside of her, that, that it's about me, it's rising to the surface because God's touching those areas. God's doing something inside of you. It's like, how come I'm following God, but it's getting harder? It's because he's touching the things that he didn't have access to. He's, he's touching the things inside of you that you don't have permission to touch, except for yourself. And so these things are rising up. It's like, God, what are you doing? I know you're pouring your spirit inside of me, but yet I'm struggling. He's like saying, keep stepping, keep growing, take those steps, get on the dream team, get into a small group, serve your spouse, serve your friends. Don't make it about yourself because as I'm pouring out your spirit, breakthrough starts happening. I never thought a ping pong ball would be breakthrough. Let's go. Let's get it. Look what starts happening. And isn't this our lives? God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. And some of you are right here. You're giving, you're giving. It's like, why are these last things still here? God's like, keep going. Keep trusting. Keep going. Because what God starts to do. I'm going to get out of here. Hey, sometimes you need a little help. We're better together. It was messy, as you can tell. It wasn't perfect, but it was beautiful. It's glorious, the work that God can do inside of us if we just surrender. And this wasn't in my message, but we were praying upstairs, and I just felt like just that word surrender kept coming up. And that when we deal with selfishness, we're not just dealing with our own desires. What we're really dealing with is submission to God's will. Because when we're selfish, what we're really saying is that my plan, God, is better than your purpose. And so what we need to do is say, God, I don't get it. I don't always feel it. I'm not always forward at times. I'm, I'm just like, I'm struggling. But you know what, God? I'm your servant. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me up. And then the sin, the selfishness, it comes out. And you're not going to regret after that. I got to wrap this up. But, man, there's, I, I want, what I want to do is I want to give us three areas of giving, okay? How we can allow God to, 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 to grow us. And we teach this in growth track. So if you've not been in growth track, you got to jump in. Because, man, God has a purpose for you, and we don't want you to miss it. 
I love what Pastor Matt says. It's like when someone joins a small group, when someone goes to growth track, we don't get more money from it. We don't get like a pay raise. But you know what we get? We get the satisfaction of God doing another story of the purpose that he's doing inside of you. And so there's three areas I want us to focus in on, okay? Ask the Holy Spirit which one it is for you. One of the biggest ways that we can give is with our time. Somebody wise said, actually a lot of wise people have said this, if you want to see what's important, look at your checkbook and look at your calendar. Where are you spending your time? And i got to be honest, this is a hard one for me sometimes because we're all busy people. we got things to do. we got goals to accomplish. We have families to serve. I mean, there's just so many things that we just need to do and get done. But if we're going to get over ourselves, we're going to do it by using our time to serve people. And maybe on the flip side, maybe we've been spending too much time on the people that God's called us to invest in, but we've neglected our homes, our spouses, our kids. How can we minister to the world if we're not ministering to our own family? And so we need to give our time back. Because really, all the time that we've been given, it's been given to us by God. And we just need to steward and give it back to people. So there's our time. Also, we need to give of our talents. And my talents, what we mean by that is the things that God's put inside of you. Put inside of you. Some of us in this room, you guys all got Steph Curry. If you know who Steph Curry is, man, he's on the Warriors. He's the MVP. He is the most talented basketball player in the world. But some of you guys are a Steph Curry, but you're not in the game. You're on the bench right now. And it's not because the coach has put you there. It's because you don't think you're ready for the game. Can I give you permission to get in the game today, guys? Can I give you permission to jump in? Because here's the thing. A lot of times we, we, don't, we don't know how to play the game unless until we get in the game. But God says, I put everything inside of you for life and for godliness, so you just got to get in there. God has wired you for greatness. He's wired you to give your life for his glory. And so I just want, man, I want to spur you on today. Today is step two of our growth track. Pastor Jackie teaches an amazing class on your personality, your giftings, and how God's wired you to make a difference. You're going to want to jump into that. So that's, that's your talents. And last but not least is your treasure. Your treasure. Uh, my, the last church I was pastoring at, my last pastor, his pastor, has said this very bold thing at his church. And it was during the time when uh, people were giving their tithes and offerings, and he would just boldly say, if you don't want to give your money to God today, if you're struggling and you're like, you feel like you have to and you're obligated, man, don't put in the offering. We don't need it. <laughs> Take it to Burger King because you're going to have more of a reward of eating that cheeseburger. And I was like, wow, that's some boldness. And what he was saying is that scripture in 2 Corinthians, that God delights in a chill, for, a chill forgiver. That there's a, there, there, there's a grace that happens that when we give back to God, man, something happens inside of our heart. And God knows that when we, it's not just when we give him back our wallets, that's what he's looking for, but our hearts are attached to that. So when we, man, those things are intricately connected, we just can't separate them. So I just want to spur those on to those three things. Which one of those three is God just pressing on your heart right now? Your time, your talents, your treasures, because servanthood 
is the antidote to selfishness. And when we allow God to wash our feet every day, when we pour in other people, it's not gonna be mechanical anymore. It's not gonna be religious, it's not gonna be weird. It's gonna be the natural overflow of our lives because of what God's doing inside of us.